Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting his kingdom. Our service times are Sunday at 9 a.m., followed by a second service at 1045 a.m. Today's message is Victory in Life. Here's Pastor Philip Thomas. All right. Well, we are uh, into the book of, of Hebrews and, uh, and one thing that you're, you're going to be uh, seeing, we're, uh, we're adding a, an element in our podcast that's uh, going to be called Journey Through the Scriptures. And, um, and uh, Jonathan and Dan and I um, sat down and we just kind of started talking about uh, Hebrews and kind of getting into, there's going to be a little bit more theology, a little bit more kind of Bible study aspect to it, but done in a conversation uh, style. Um, we uh, we set a timer for 45 minutes. So because they, if not, you can just all of a sudden be going forever. Um, and but that's going to be something that uh, we're getting into the swing of. Well, the first episode will be up, um, and then we'll we'll do it not only as we're going through Hebrews, but then our hope is is that it becomes something that we can do throughout the year, just in in other areas of the Bible, whether it go it's matching the sermon or not. Um, but it kind of provides, um, you know, church culture is changing so much. And, and um, it's, it becomes harder and harder to just have events and things that you say, hey, you need to come up to the church to be part of this Bible study or that Bible study. Because we can overwhelm people with that. Uh, but yet there is still a huge value and importance of studying the scripture of getting into the to scripture and so this is a way that that you can can do that that'll just kind of be an aid uh for that um and so i hope hope that you'll enjoy that that's going to be uh be coming along and, and we hope that that develops uh in the future but uh we we did have our first one talking about hebrews and hebrews is is maybe the best the best of times the worst of times with the the line of uh of the the famous book right it's one of the best ones to maybe start with because there's so much to talk about in Hebrews, but there's maybe the worst to start with because it can be so confusing and con- there's so many different ideas about what Hebrews is about. And Hebrews chapter 2 kind of starts jumping off into this idea of salvation, of what salvation means, um, and, and that's one of the big things in Hebrews is, well, can you lose your salvation? Uh, and, and so the idea of salvation is introduced in, in chapter 2 for sure. And um, I think the thing that, we, that becomes very obvious is that salvation is important. I know that sounds like a you know, cliche, um, but salvation is important. It matters. We need to think about what does salvation mean. And that's not always real popular in our culture today. You know, you talk about salvation and what that means, and people are like, well, that's what it means to you. And, and that there is truth there, right? It is, that is what it means to me. But yet that doesn't make it any less true or valid or any less important that I at least share that with people. You know, and now we've handled salvation in a really bad way, and we've talked about that before. That, you know, that salvation is much more than just a single event that really encompasses our whole life here and, and also after death. And, and sometimes we've boiled it down to strictly conversion and trying to get people to convert. And that's not a healthy way to view salvation. 
Um, but but it, salvation in itself is something that is important. Um, and so I'm gonna we're gonna read Hebrews chapter two. Uh, we're actually I'm just gonna read through it real quick. We're not gonna hit every verse, but I just want you to kind of get a, a picture of what's going on here. Remember last week. Uh, we're uh, talking about the angels and, and the difference between Jesus and the angels uh, and kind of this difference between the law, how it was given by the angels. Well, now God himself is coming, and, and so things are changing. The, the plan is ratcheted up a notch, if you will. And so we'll see some of that here in chapter 2. It says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard it. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to His will. It is not to angels that He has subjected the word to come. Uh, but which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? The son of man that you care for him. You made them little low, lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, to glory, it was fitting that for God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of the salvation perfect through what he sub, uh, suffered. But the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am, uh, or here am I, and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Man, there is just so much rich theology there. And it, it really... Uh, you know, you if you kind of step back and just read through that slowly, it's really pretty simple, right? I mean, uh, we we can make it uh, uh, kind of controversial, and we can make it a little more complicated, but it really is a simple picture. Okay, here's what what God is doing, um, and you know, now how that all works, you know, that can start blowing your mind, but it's just laying it out, and so it talks about the importance of salvation. I, I love this first. Uh, there in, in verse 2, uh, it talks about, says, uh, For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? So what it's doing is it's comparing, remember, the law that has been given by the angels, 
and how the people were living under the law, and, and that was how they found salvation, right? That's how they found the way that they should live. That was the way that God uh, was, was communicating to them, was showing them, here's what it means to live a life in me. And now that's changed. Now it's through Christ. And so it's asking this question, what are we going to do if we ignore that? And I, as I was reading that, I was thinking, you remember that there's a, a joke, and I'm not a great joke teller, so, but uh, there's a joke of a guy, he's on the top of his house, and the, and the flood waters are coming, right? And he has no way to, to get off. And so he prays to God, God, help me, save me. You've got to do something. And a guy in a kayak comes up and uh, says, hey, I've got just enough room. Hop in the kayak, and I'll get you out. He's like, no, no, God's going to save me. And then a little bit later, the waters are getting a little crazier. And so a guy in a, in a, a powered speedboat that can still make it comes up, says, hey, man, you're running out of time. You've got to get in the boat. The guy says, no, no, God's going to save me. And so the boat leaves. Then a helicopter comes and throws down the uh, ladder. And the guy says, no, no, it's all right. God's going to save me. And the waters come up and the guy drowns. And then he gets up to heaven and he asks God, God. I cried out. I prayed for you to save me. Why didn't you save me? And God's like, I sent you a kayak, a boat, and a helicopter. Why didn't you get on? You know? And, and, and this verse is kind of like that. It's like, what are we going to do if we're going to ignore these obvious ways that God has reached out to the world and said, hey, here's how you find salvation? Right? And that's why this book is so important. And Hebrews is making this point that that's who Jesus is. This is God's obvious answer to how are we saved? How do we live our life in Christ? Now, we can delve off into the, does that then nullify the previous way of, of salvation? You know, this is just a, an aside. My view of salvation is I believe that it comes through Jesus Christ, believing in what he has done, and that because he died on the cross and rose again, we have salvation. How God ultimately works all out, that's up to him, right? You know, and, and so if, if someone is adamant that says, you know what, I think, you know, even if someone doesn't believe in Jesus, that they could maybe still be saved, I'll say, listen, I don't know. If God wants to do that, he certainly can. But the one way that I do know is that it's through Jesus Christ, right? We can proclaim that truth in a non-offensive way, okay? Now, we live in a world where people are going to be offended no matter what. If you say, I believe that, they're going to say, well, I, I'm offended that you believe. Well, I, I'm sorry, I'm not saying that you, you can't find salvation, but I don't know. I, I haven't, the Bible gives a pretty clear picture of here's how salvation comes. Now, again, it doesn't exclude everybody. There's, there's openings there, but you know, we need to be careful because one way that we've done is we've become so hardcore that we've said, no, you have to believe this. You have to pray this prayer this way. I don't think that's a healthy way to approach salvation. I also don't think it's a healthy way to approach salvation in saying, you know what? Just kind of do what you want. Just believe what you want. I'm sure it'll all work out in the end. You know what I believe? I believe that it, it may all work out in the end. But I sure don't know, and so I better not just be saying it's all going to work out in the end when I don't really know. I'm going to say, you know, I, I don't know, but I do know there's something about this Jesus guy. You know what? And, and I think that's very important. And clearly, Hebrews chapter 2 
is elevating the importance of what Jesus has done. Jesus came and he is a means of salvation. It's very obvious, right? And, and uh, that we have moved beyond just having to live by the law, that we have moved into a time where Jesus embodies the law and frees us to live the life that God has in store for us. And again, it's so important to realize that salvation is more than just missing out on hell. Okay? We, we have to get away from that kind of thought of salvation because that is not healthy and it leads to, to falling away, basically, from Christ. It, we need to know that it, it means how we live our life, how we experience the blessings of God even now. That's part of what salvation is. And the passage moves on in verses 5 through 13 goes on, he uses a lot of uh, uh, psalms again, basically of how God did this, that Jesus was made lower than the angels, right? The whole first chapter was making sure people knew that Jesus is much superior to the angels. But in order to achieve salvation, he became lower than the angels so that he could suffer, right? It talks about that he suffered, that he died, so that, uh, that he knows what we're going through. Right? He has met us where we are. Again, that's clearly not just talking about so that when we die, we can be with heaven. No, this is, he invested in our life. He became one of us. Man, what a powerful message that is. And what a loud, uh, a wonderful messenger. I was thinking of how to compare and con- contrast kind of the old way of the law, uh, where the, the angels were the messengers, and now Jesus himself is the messenger. And uh, I thought, you know, uh, I, I love the Dallas Cowboys, and so I'll keep up with the Dallas Cowboys on occasion, right? Uh, well, the way that I do that is I have to read other people's accounts of what's going on within the Cowboys organization, right? There's reporters and stuff like that. They're getting the uh, knowledge, stuff like that, but they don't have it all, but they do get a lot of it, and they write it down and they tell it to me. And so I, I, can, I can keep up with the Cowboys. I can learn a lot about them. But how cool would it be, and depending on if you like the Cowboys or not, how cool would it be if every day Jerry Jones came to your house and said, all right, here's what we're doing today. Here's what's going on. And he actually didn't lie, like he actually was truthful. I know that is a, that's a stretch to, to get, uh, get this. But, man, how much more impressive would that be? And wouldn't you feel a lot more connected with the organization of the Dallas Cowboys if the owner and the leader of that group was telling you each and every day, hey, here's what's going on? Well, in a sense, that's the difference. Used to, we, had, we found our relationship with God by listening to the messengers that were, were accurate, that were telling us about him. Um, but now, God himself has come down and said, okay, here it is. Here's how I want you to live. Here's how I want you to go about experiencing life the way that I created you to experience it. Man, we should really be listening to that, right? And that he was willing to come and to suffer and to die for us. Man, that, that elevates the importance of salvation. And then we get to the, the last part of this passage here in chapter 2. And to me, it, it, it clearly makes... The, state, uh, the case that salvation is more than victory over death. It's victory in life. That's what I see salvation as. That salvation is not just victory over death. It's victory 
in life. And so you see there in, uh, in that last few verses, it says, and, and he frees uh, those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Right? So he's going, he's saying, you know what? You don't have to be afraid of that. So there is, there's the victory over death. But it's also victory in life. At the very end, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Right? What, what is the worst thing that we go through in life? It's struggling to do the right thing. Right? I mean, this is oversimplifying, but how we live our life trying to do the right thing. Well, Jesus understands that struggle. He understands that difficulty. And you know what? He did do the right thing. And so by following him, we can do the right thing as well. He's giving us a way to experience victory in life, to live the life that he created us to live. Now, why is this so important? Why is it so important to understand salvation, to understand that salvation is is not just about a victory over death, victory in life, and it goes all the way back and I know this is going the, the opposite direction, but to the very first verse sets out the reason for all of this. It says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. That's why he wrote the rest of this chapter. That's why he wrote all of this about the importance of salvation, of understanding salvation, is so that we do not drift away. Remember, that's what's happening to the, to the audience that he's writing this to, is they're struggling. They're going through difficult times, and some of them are starting to drift away. And he's saying, no, it is important. It's important to hold on to this salvation. God is working that salvation out. And so I, I thought about that, that phrase of drifting away. And, you know, I think sometimes that's what we've done. Whenever we think about salvation as just kind of this one-time event that we accept Christ and and maybe we're baptized depending on what tradition you're in, and then all of a sudden, okay, well, we're going to be with God forever. Great. It's kind of like just being in a a rowboat out in the middle of, you know, kind of a, a, a sea or something like that, and you just stop paddling. What's going to happen? You have no idea what's going to happen. You're just going to be drifting away, and that's a very dangerous place to be when you're out on anything. You need to be moving forward. I, I, I remember we were at a, a lake. It was actually at Kingsland Lake, and uh, this was I, I was in, in high school, and we, we were on a youth trip, and our, one of the guys who was the sponsors, he was an older guy, uh, rancher from Sterling City. I don't know how, long, how many times he'd been out on the lake, but he'd been out a few times. And uh, he was really nervous and, and always, you know, making sure we were doing everything right. He didn't want anybody to get hurt. And we, of course, we were, you know, uh, uh, borrowing a cabin and, uh, you know, had boat and a jet ski. And it was those old school, they, they had just come out with the sit-down jet skis, you know, where you didn't have to stand up on them. And, uh, and so they're really fun, and so we could use that. And so he was just really nervous. And finally, he actually got on it, right? And uh, so he's doing it, and he's having fun. And, and what you, you have to learn on those things is that in order to turn and stuff like that, you have to be going, right? And, and it's kind of counterintuitive because sometimes, like, to get out of the way, 
rather than slowing down, you need to speed up and so that you can actually control it. Well, he was coming into the dock, and, uh, and we we're all there, and he's trying, and he, and he slowed down, but he has too much speed going, and he's going straight at the dock, and he doesn't, he, I mean, there's no break, right? And he, so he's completely drifting, but he's been going that direction, and he's going, and it just goes, and just boom, hits the dock, and it actually cracks the front of it. It's so hilarious now, because, I mean, everything's, no, no, nobody got hurt or anything like that, but... He was the one who cracked the jet ski. And, uh, and of course, you know, you're, you're, high school, you're, you're still kids. He's your superior, right? So you're trying to be respectful and nice. But I know there was a lot of laughing behind, uh, behind the scenes there. But it, it, was, it was that perfect example of being adrift is a very dangerous place to be. You know, because you have no control. And you just go where things take you. And so in this context, it's perfect. Because if, the, if these people, if they stop living out their faith, striving and moving forward, moving towards God, what happens? They're just going to drift along. And now all of a sudden they're experiencing persecution. Their families are turning on them, stuff like that. Guess what? That's going to start pushing them into the rocks. And, and so often today we view our salvation as kind of, okay, that's something we'll experience when we get to heaven. And what that really means is that we're just drifting. And how many of us live our lives as Christians just kind of drifting along? And now sometimes we're being pushed along by good things. Like, you know what, man, I I found this new church. Or I found this new worship style. You know, or I I found this this new uh, way of teaching. And it's, man, it's all good. Guess what? If we're just still drifting Eventually, something's going to start pushing us back the other way. And then life is going to happen, and you're going to get a phone call, and your life is getting thrown upside down. You lose a job. You lose a loved one. you diagnosed with something uh, uh, that's going to impact you the rest of your life. And if you're just drifting, you may get tossed over. The importance of salvation is not that we just accept it and drift it's that it's the beginning of a new life forward (laughs) and it's a life that is continuing to move forward and closer to god and why they're talking about the importance of salvation here is that it is so important that we continue to move closer to jesus each and every day so that we will not drift away because life is going to try to do that And if we're stagnant, and if we're just like, hey, everything's good, I've said the right prayer, all that's good, we're eventually going to get tossed into the rocks. That is why salvation is important. And that is why a proper understanding of salvation is important. That it's not just the victory over death. That's great. But if we only focus on the victory over death, then we're just going to drift until we get there. And that's that's not a way to live that's sure not the way that that christ wants us to live that's not why he came and suffered and went through all the temptation why did he go through all those difficulties of life if it wasn't to help us be able to go through those difficulties of life he wants us to have victory in life as well that is why salvation is so important don't be content with drifting 
Some days you may have the, the motor that you can really crank it up. Some day you may just be able to paddle. But do something to be moving forward so that you can experience victory in life and you don't just drift away and get crashed on the rocks. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you so much for the salvation that we have in you. And I thank you that you entered into this world to show us how to live and to give us victory in life. Lord, I pray that we will not be content with drifting, but that we will be moving forward and closer to you each and every day. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you that you love us even more. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas, 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.